welcome. This is the Game Till 5 podcast. My name is Steph and I'm joined by my co-host Nikki. Hi Nikki. Hello. What are we doing this week, Nikki? Uh, we're doing top five video game worlds. Yes. Because we're feeling worldly this week, whatever that means. Uh, well-travelled. Yes. So if you've never listened to this podcast before, me and Nikki talk about uh, top fives. Uh, they're always video game related because we like video games. And that's all I have to say. Because we're nerds. Magic. Good. Yes. Uh, I'm endeavouring to do better this week with my intro than I did last week, so... I feel like you've just ruined it right there. Mm. Now you've said that, it's all going to shit already. I'm just going to cut that bit out then, aren't I? No! Leave it in. Builds <laughs> character. Yes. Strong podcasting character that I need to do this podcast. I'll help you out a little bit here. We're here to do a top five about video games, subjects, topics, anything you want. We're going to do it. I like the subjects and topics are the same thing. <laughs> subjects and topics. I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> Fair, me too. Which is why this intro is slowly going down the drain. Uh, so let's swiftly move on. Um, because me and Nikki don't talk about uh, our things beforehand, our lists, we keep them secret, keep them safe. Uh, we sometimes have crossovers. I was going to say, I mean, last week was... Well, two weeks ago, whenever that was. I don't know, I've lost lost track of time. The last episode. Uh, was a, a very good example of crossovers because I we crossed over everywhere and I stole all of Steph's, so she was basically top five-less. I was, and thank God you did it last week and I'm hoping you're not going to do it this week because I haven't prepared any backups, just to let you know. Oh, I've, I've got like honourable mentions, but I don't have any backups either, to be fair. Yeah, I don't even do that. I was like, no, nothing today. But yeah, if we have a crossover, you will hear this lovely gentleman. Oh! And that signifies our crossovers. Yep. So, because I can't be bothered to talk about our lives this week. I was looking forward to that. We were. Do you have something interesting to share? Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Let's just uh, <laughs> let's just forget the start of this intro happened again. And... Do you remember when our intros were good? Oh no, I don't ever. <laughs> I don't ever remember them being good. I do. They were good once upon a time, and then we just lost it. Yeah. If someone can find that magic again and give it back to us, that would be nice. Yeah. Anyway, maybe let's go into into it. <laughs> I'm fucking up as well. <laughs> Let's get into it. Play yeah. the music. Okay. What are you buying? How about a game of lucky hit? A three-headed monkey. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> that's me being pumped that's me being pumped for this top five i was really excited yeah. about doing this top five earlier i was doing my list and i was getting really excited to talk about worlds with you nikki and i think tiredness is slowly draining my enthusiasm but it will come i was back. late in your defense you could have been pumped half an hour before but i was late yeah i've only got like a window of about half an hour of pumpedness yeah <laughs> it slowly seeps away <laughs> Okay, so I don't know whose turn it is this week. I feel like it might be mine. I think it is yours because despite okay. even going first last week, you still managed to steal all of mine, which True. I was marvelled at. So, well, hopefully my number five will get you pumped back up. I'm excited. What is it? 
It's Final Fantasy 15. Amazing. Which is the world of Eos. Oh, nice. So I thought about putting a lot of Final Fantasy worlds in this list because I thought they are some of the best worlds in video games. However, I don't know why, but Final Fantasy 15 kind of stood out for me. And I won't lie to you. It might just be because the chocobos look amazing. There's amazing gas stations. I love the music in the gas stations. <laughs> it's just a world that I'd like to live in. I don't know. It's hard hard to really articulate into words. Yeah. I did try and write a big list of why I loved it. And that was literally it. I mean, I like that you've listed gas stations. Though, to be fair, that game is just one long list of gas stations. That you yeah, and at. I love it. I like going there. I like going to the diners. I like saying hey to Cindy. Oh, of and course you like yeah, And I like getting my car all, like, you know, MOT'd. Spruced on up. <laughs> MOT'd every, like, 20 miles. Oh, I like making it look fabulous. I like it. It's a good It's a good world, and I don't have it in my list, but I'm glad that you've mentioned That's it. Good. And I have to say, Final Fantasy Fifteen. I think because you explore it so much, like, without it being a block. You know what I mean? Like, the old yeah. ones were just, like, blocks. Yeah, I think it just felt really realistic to me. And I just absolutely loved driving around in the car. I loved driving, like, riding around on the chocobos. I just think it was just a really endearing world for me. And I did think, like, I mean, along my list, I wouldn't want to live in every single world that I put on my list. But I've definitely, this is one that I did kind of put on just because I just find it to be a really awesome world. And just really beautiful in the way that it's been made. And I don't know, it's just, I just think it's really endearing. And I know I mentioned the gas stations, but... There's other places too which are good. Yep. And, uh, Can you and name I like any? the fact that <laughs> I like the fact that Ignis cooks for me. I like making barbecues. I don't know. Camping is nice actually. It's a nice event. If you have not played this game, there is every night you set up a little camp and yeah. one of your party makes you delicious toast. <laughs> I hope nobody came to this top five thinking that we were gonna um, you know, speak very historically about these worlds because nope i'm just gonna say i like the gas stations i mean and the food yeah that's fair i think my (laughs) list is gonna reflect very similarly to yours so (laughs) if this is disappointing for you go away now um but i will give some history because i do like some facts and some information so in final fantasy 15 the world is eos or eos and it is sometimes often referred to as the star not sure why i'm sorry there was a lot of history with this world and i started going through it thinking oh i'm gonna write all of this down and speak about all this history but it was too much it was it was just i felt like i was doing a history lesson so i was like i'm not i'm not gonna bore everyone to death but i will tell you that the cool thing about it is there are old tales um about the world which tell of six gods who have stood over and watched it since antiquity and it is said that they are now in slumber although technically not if you play the game um, and there is six of them, and they are Ramu, Leviathan, Shiva, Bahamut, am I missing one? Ifrit. And so, yeah, obviously everybody knows those names. So um, so that was quite cool reading about those. And they're supposedly like meant to defend Eos from all threats, including each other, and the eventual dominant species, which is basically us, I think. And uh, And yeah, there was a lot of history to it. And as any Final Fantasy game, which is amazing, the history is awesome. I could not even summarise it for all of you. Well, that's a shame. But, I, but it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Just know that if you read it, you're going to have a good time. <laughs> that's always good. Extra, you know, extra curriculum. But, you know, ignoring all of those cool tales about the old gods, gas stations. So, moving on from that, 
Um, I do have some facts, but not many because I've decided that it's hard to get facts about what the world. Yeah, world only facts were very difficult to find. I think yeah. most of mine are probably just random facts that I thought were but, fun. Yeah, well, that's it. I picked out a few worldly ones and I picked out a few random ones, but I have actually got a worldly one for this game. Mm. And I was very impressed about it, actually. So if you were to ever think of a movie that would influence a game like this, I don't know what it would be, but I definitely didn't think it would be this. So apparently the game is heavily inspired by Back to the Future 2. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not, that's Yeah, not, I guess, car. Um, I mean, yeah, that that's a thing. That's a potential. They both have but... cars? Is that my link? <laughs> That's about as far as I got. <laughs> so the lead designer, Juan Hasmer, liked how at the beginning of the film, Marty McFly is surprised by the future world, but how the people there out of time react normal to it. So it's like a normal everyday thing. So apparently this idea was used to, was used to provide the player with the sort of culture shock or fancy that it provides, which I do kind of agree with. It is... But then that's kind of like any Final Fantasy game where it's it's human, it's kind of normal, but then it's also slightly futuristic. Yeah, you're just kind of dropped into a fantasy yeah. world. But like you said, it does feel weirdly normal most of the time. But I thought that was cool. Yeah. I thought that was weird, but I thought it was cool. It's and nice also, fun. along with the Back to the Future theme, apparently, I don't know, I remember this and I thought it was awesome, but when you obtain the regalia type F, so... So the flying car, as you just mentioned, and it's taking off for the first time. Noctis will say to Ignis, where we're going, we don't need roads. Oh, so, nice. I mean, that's pretty fucking cool because yeah. obviously that's the line by Dr. Emmett Brown, which is amazing. So there you can kind of obviously get the reference to Back to the Future. Um, yeah, not not expecting to actually find like a direct influence of the world by Back to the Future. But yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. I like it. It's an interesting one. And like you said, there's not obvious links to it but i like the I yeah like the thought process but no to summarize i just think that final fantasy 15's world is awesome i remember playing it and just being completely engulfed in it to the point where every day after work i would just like jump into that shit straight away and just kind of want to like live in it in that world yeah not just because there was some hunky men in it who would cook me dinner toast <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, that is my top five. I'm sorry it was short. No, I like it. And I like that you've picked that one. It is a really fun... I had the same thing. I played it quite quickly, I think, overall, even though it's quite a long game. Um, just because I liked travelling around in my car with my bros. Yeah. Going to the gas stations. <laughs> Checking out all the women at the gas stations. And the men. There was that, that guy. There was a man. It was Sid. It was like her dad. Yeah, yeah. Sid. And there's always a Sid, and he's always got something. <laughs> don't leave him out. He's, I, he's there too. I'm sorry. Sorry, Sid. I don't mean to <laughs> forget your existence, but your daughter was sexy. Right. What's your top five? I mean, number five. My top five. My number five <laughs> uh, for this is Red Dead Redemption. Nice. That was gonna be on my list, Ooh, but it's not. It's not. It's uh. So, if those of you have not played it, it is a Western action adventure game, uh, by Rockstar. Um, you play as a cowboy, surprisingly, in a Western area. Uh, your name is John. I'm going kind of going on the first one rather than the second because I have not really played that much of the second. I have it. I have not I have played not it either. Done much of it. Um, but you yeah you play as john marston in the first one um 
your the general quick story is that you're kind of forced back into a life of an outlaw, and it kind of just centers around you doing outlawish things with criminals and stuff uh, in a western place. But um, it's kind of like it. I think it captures a lot of that feeling of being like the American frontier back in the year nineteen tickety two. Um, I wish I was better at history. I think it's like 1910 or something. Sometime like that. in the past. Sometime. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed it as a world because it's quite gritty and enthralling. And the landscape, a lot of it is just rocks and dust. But that kind of side of it makes it feel more authentic. It kind of feels more like a dangerous kind of cowboy place to live like it would feel wrong if it was kind of new and shiny trying to capture that feeling because the whole feeling of the game is you know it's not it's typical rockstar kind of level of grit and running around doing what you want um but the setting kind of helps give it a more you know old-timey authentic feel it kind of feels a bit like westworld if you ever watch westworld it's that you know dangerous and strange but fun to adventure um yeah no I'm, I'm really happy you picked that actually because it was a real contender i remember it was actually i i just loved even just walking around and like riding around on the horse and just sort of like going around all of the different areas because they do change quite dramatically don't they per section of the map yeah and um yeah it's i remember it was a really in-depth and kind of extensive world it was cool yeah and i think you're kind of right like um you could like fast travel using wagons and stuff but i don't think i ever really used it because i was just quite happy getting on my horse and like riding from a to b even if it was a really long way because it just kind of felt nice to you know yeah just jump on and kind of ride there yeah and i think actually that's quite a a good thing as well when it comes to like my picks as well I think what kind of determined me especially with this is is did, did I like traveling from A to B or did I just want to fast travel and get over with I think that's a big thing in Final Fantasy 15 I was the same I didn't necessarily want to fast travel I would much rather see the world yeah definitely I think I've got the same thing with my list it's kind of a definite can I travel and explore in it rather than yeah you know just doing a mission in it um and I think it kind of reflects how fun that world is um, based on like a little story that I have of playing it with you, Nikki, online. Um, <laughs> and I don't like the only thing we did for a good, I don't know, three hours was steal tr- a wagon and then try and drive <laughs> it to the top of a mountain that we'd found. Uh, it took us a really long time to do this and to finally reach the top. But when we finally did reach the top and succeeded and we were all really happy running around, we finally got our wagon to the top of the mountain. It was the greatest time. And then we were instantly murdered by a bear who happened to live <laughs> at the top of this mountain. And I just remember we had so much fun and we didn't even really go very far. We just kind of did that one little section. It was great. I remember we were just sort of narrating at the time about how we'd stolen this wagon and we were going on an adventure. It was great. And everyone was trying to kill us. Yeah. It was fantastic. Wagon thieves. Wagon thieves. Driving up. We were just determined. It was just the mountain. We were just determined to get up this mountain. (laughs) Damn that bear. (laughs) Ruin our goddamn fun. I murdered that bear. Shortly yeah, afterwards. but a good one thing about that game though was was the animals. I remember randomly getting attacked by a cougar. That was immersive. 
Yeah, that was a kind of good thing. And that's one of the things about the second one as well, is it's the same kind of, like, you could just be doing something uh, and then just sudden bear or cougar attack would happen. Uh, like, you know, exploring in the wild, if you're not careful. That's what I, mean, I love in my worlds, random bear attacks. <laughs> it's what everyone needs, both character, I tell you. Yeah, it's it's a great game and it's a great world. I, I have lots of fond memories playing that game. And I, I really want to play the second one. It's just one of those things where I just don't have the time. And I have many games on my list, but that is definitely maybe when it when it comes down in price, maybe I'll buy it. Yeah. Well, I'll lend it to you when I finish it, but um, it's... Uh... Well, I was going to say, I should really buy it and we should relive our wagon tales. All done. Completely. Uh, yeah, I know it, the story in it is a long one, though. I know it's a very long game. Um, but if the world is as half as good as the first one, it will be a fun old time. To I was going to say, we just need a wagon, a mountain and a bear, and we're done. Yeah. Well, maybe not the bear. I'm hunting down that bitch bear. No, fair. I've not forgotten. <laughs> I'll never forgive those bears. We may be in next gen now, but I've not forgotten. Only bear she sees. Instant. He's out there. Watching you. Yep. That's just creepy. Um, my only fact for this game was that it took five years to develop and is one of the most expensive video games ever made. Really? Yeah. I think wow. because Rockstar do take a long time curating everything in their world and and that's i think why True. it's so good and yeah. why the world is feels so alive and real is because it, they take you know crazy amounts of time to put detail in and make it feel alive and expansive awesome yeah so that's my uh, number five good pick thanks so that means we're on to my number four yep and this one I've not just picked because there's a building that I like to go in when I play it. And uh, this is, I picked the world of Thedas, which is in Dragon Age. Uh-huh. Interesting. So, yeah. I I absolutely love Dragon Age, and is what most people know. And I think, for me, it, it helps that there's a lot of games and there's a lot of, like, history to it. But I think I've just always been in love with Thedas. So, I mean, for example, like, for anyone that has played it you know it contains Ferelden and Olay and, and everything like that but it is just one continent as far as I'm aware but so kind of everything pretty much goes down within that area but I don't know what it is about the world I think it might be primarily because of the history around it like there's so much story in the Dragon Age games and it's crazy like there's I've read a lot of the books and like you, it goes back like way back in the beginning um to give some sort of context on that's not played Dragon Age it's about this thing called a blight where basically so I'm going to do my shitty explanations a lot of these like gross little monsters like living under the earth and they decide to just come up one day and that's the blight anyway I think the blight in Dragon Age 1 was maybe like the fifth blight or something so it happened a long 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 time ago and there's books on those and they're really cool and really in depth anyway (laughs) I've not spoiled it or anything no you do well Um, but yeah like there's just so much history to it and I absolutely love it. So anyway, I'm going to give some kind of backstory to Thedas, which there isn't really any. So <laughs> um, David Gader has basically said that um, there is no individual name for the planet where Thedas exists, as most Theodizens, I think that's how you say it, consider Thedas to be the entire world. And no one really knows what else there is around it. 
So obviously that it is presumed that there are other continents because the Canari do not originally come from Thedas. They're like these big horned species. Um, they don't originally come from Thedas, so they're thought to have come from an unknown land across the northern ocean. But yeah, generally, Thedas is just a big continent. But there's a lot of different like areas around it there's like more kind of foresty kind of like english areas and you get to places like Orlay where it's more like france and i don't know it's just there's just so much depth to it i think that's why i adore it and there's so much story there and so much like there's this thing between like the mages and the templars which is always like an underlying thing in the world which is just really interesting and and yeah i, I think i picked this one mostly just because it has so much awesome history behind it yeah I think because I haven't really played any of the others other than Origins, um, I'm not really sure on stuff. But I remember even playing the first one, there was that feeling of there's already a lot of stuff that's happened. Yeah. That, you know, you're not a witness to, but they make it quite clear without just like pointedly telling you, hey, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. You kind yeah. of just it gather feels... it from talking to people yeah. or you know being around the world which is a nice way of doing it for sure it feels like quite a real world because you haven't just come into it and everyone's suddenly explaining to you everything that's happened ever yeah it's kind of like those things have already happened and people don't will only mention it if it's like relative and i think that's quite nice because it doesn't just shove it all down your throat like oh this is the history of our world up until now because it's just not realistic it's just nice because it's quite immersive yeah and there's just a lot of nice little anecdotes and um sort of namings of things that I don't know. It's, it's some. I think sometimes in some games and some worlds, like you get like certain dialogue words or certain things that people say that's just so, so of like that game, mm. that world. I think Dragon Age is one of those for me where it's just you just know you're playing a Dragon Age game. And I think when I first picked up Dragon Age Origins, I was just amazed by all of it. Like I just found the story to be quite cinematic, and yeah, it just it's just awesome. So. Um, I will go and give you some facts. So they're quite relative to the world of Thedas. Mm. And that is the land beyond the Amaranthine Ocean is often referred to as Amaranth. And this is said to be devoid of any sentient species and um, any attempt of colonisation have failed. So legends tell that later expeditions found former settlements empty and that the only survivor was driven mad by something and killed himself after a short time. So there's a cool kind of like history to the fact that there's this other world potentially well not the world but the continent yeah so i thought that was cool that is cool not really touched on very much but no but i like it you're keeping you know keeping it close to your chest and i appreciate that yeah. for a game that i've not played but do kind of want to i'm surprised you haven't played inquisition um yeah i i don't know what it is i've I've often struggled with the Dragon Age games. Uh, I managed to play the first one, but it did take me a couple of goes. Um, and then... And threats by me, yes. Yeah, pretty much. Just, like, holding me hostage until I played it. Um, and then I was like, well, I've missed the second one now, and I really want to play that. But I know that that was really... In, that was, like... Uh, you could you could favorites. skip to Inquisition, and it, it would be fine. Okay. <laughs> Alright, maybe if it goes on I think I think you'd enjoy Inquisition, because I think Inquisition they suddenly becomes a bit more of a... I don't know how to describe it. It almost becomes a bit more Mass Effect-y, if that makes sense. Yeah, it becomes more in the way that it looks. game, I guess. Yeah, like, obviously it was a Bioware game anyway, but it, it's more... It's less of, like, that top-down feeling. It's more of a... It just, it's, uh, that's the only way I can describe it. It's just more Mass effect in the way that it, it's sort of made the form out of it. I'll add it to the list. The ever-growing And list. your character can speak, which is a great thing. Great Ooh, voice actor as well. I do love a kit when my character speaks. 
Yeah. So uh, speaking of Thedas, this word is actually an acronym and it stands for the and then the D in dragon and the A in age and then the S in setting. So like the dragon age setting. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. Worldly facts. <laughs> Worldly facts. It's my new jingle. <laughs> I have another great fact, which I wasn't going to enter because it's not really that relevant, but it made me laugh. And that is, after entering the Denerim Market District at least 42 times in Dragon Age Origins, there is a chance that a random encounter dubbed Zombie Kitten Army can appear, spawning a group of nine unmoving cats in formation. <laughs> that's, that's such cool. a random fact. I like it. And But that's awesome. I kind of want to try it. So everyone must enter Denerim Market 42 times. I'm gonna count it, it might happen, it might not, but yeah. if you're lucky, you might get some zombie kittens. If you do, don't move. Please let us know. Yeah. Answers on a postcard. Um, another fact, yeah. another topical fact, is that at one point in Dragon Age Origins, the warden can obtain a longsword named Oathkeeper. So, it's speculated that the sword is a homage to George R. R. Martin's book series, A Song of Ice and Fire, so Game of Thrones, as the sword shares the same name as sword. It's a sword given to Jamie Lannister by his father Tywin. Topical. Look but not you. really. Yeah. This uh, this um, game was made before the series, the TV show came out. So, if it was a homage to George R. R. Martin, that's cool, because it was before the TV show was out. Which means that um, so they may have taken some inspiration from the books, which is amazing because they're amazing books. Not going to say anything else about the TV show, but they're amazing books. So I can kind of see the inspiration that could have been taken from that series, like the book series, to the game, especially with things like how to do like the blight and everything. I don't know. I like it. Yeah, I I like it. I like that you've gone topical. We don't. Yes. we don't tend to do that. So I think that's also one of the reasons why I like Dragon Age is because I, I've always liked that. I mean, it's it's a, it's a typical fantasy setting, isn't it? Dragons. Like, I was going to say I like like the unique side of, of that kind of genre, but it's it's not really unique. It's, it's, it's like medieval dragons and swords. Yeah, it's Dungeons and Dragons, just like Pretty much, 10.0. yeah. But I think the Dragon Age side of things does pick up a lot on like the politics side of stuff, which, again, is good. I like that. So, yes, that's my number four. I like it. It's a good number four. An interesting number four. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to jump into my number four, which I guess is a little bit of a contrast. Um, but it is No Man's Sky. Ah, okay. Uh, no Man's Sky is an action-adventure survival game uh, that was developed by Hello Games, I think published by them as well. Um, it got a lot of flack when it was first released but i will say if you give it a chance the worlds are beautiful uh and a little deadly and just the most fun to explore um if you like anything sci-fi because obviously it's set in you know space um it's really fun you get your own little ship and you can just take off from a planet and cruise around and then go to a new planet um and that kind of no loading of like landing and then just taking off is just something that is really fun to experience like i could just do that all the time it's just completely come down into an atmosphere and then land and then look around for a bit and then take back off and you know what i mean it's not that you don't get that kind of jolting thing where you're like step into your spaceship and then press go and then you get this little animated thing that happens and you watch them off and then pull down it is literally just you going like right i'm gonna get into my spaceship and then you just drive into the sky 
um, which I enjoy more than I think I should do, but it's great fun. Uh, the the general like color scheme and stuff of this like game is one of my favorites. It's so oversaturated, but it kind of makes everything look more sci-fi and more beautiful in the same time because it's all these weird colors. It's not just like your normal like, hey, dirt is brown and sky is blue. It's kind of like, hey, what would happen if we made everything like pink and bright neon or you know that kind of playing around with grass and all the weird creatures and stuff um which i quite like uh i mean the whole game is kind of centered around you exploring and trying to i guess the i mean the way you make your money is going to see different creatures and plants and if you document them you earn credits if you're the first person to to see them so the whole idea of the game is you're just kind of adventuring around there's not much other you know there's not much else to do other than you know explore and collect like they did add um a story mode into it and there are like a little bit more of a campaign of stuff to do i should say but uh at the end of the day it is mostly just about you know seeing what you can find which is just about as much fun as you need really um i mean it's got like 18 quintillion planets I think is the correct number. Yeah, it's like it's almost number. like infinite, really, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and obviously, they've added. You know, you do you see creatures, but you also have like some aliens and stuff in there. Um, the Gek are my favorite. They're kind of like the traders of the world. And they kind of look a bit like bird rhinos, like dinosaur people. Um, they're <laughs> bird rhinos. Yeah, bird rhinos. Bird dinos. I don't. I don't immediately think of something when you say that. <laughs> bird rhinos. Oh yes. Bird well, rhinos. you picture your bird rhinos, and um, that's that's a geck. Cool. I don't really know how to picture that, to be honest. Am I picturing a feathery rhino, or am I picturing a bird with a massive horn on its face? Um, I said dinos, as in dinosaurs. So. Oh, I thought you said rhinos. I think I said rhinos and dinos. It's probably oh, my confusing. fault. Confusing. Um, okay. But yeah, it's more like a bird with no feathers. And Ugh. slightly turtly. <laughs> I don't think you're enticing people to this game. It's good. Uh, if you <laughs> if you want to see some creatures that disgust Nikki, play this game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say I I picked up this game when it first came out, and this was when it was everyone was bitching about it. And I did enjoy it. I think I really burned myself out on it, to be honest. I just went nuts just exploring and going everywhere. And uh, yeah, I really probably did burn myself out on it a bit. And I remember finding... Uh, my my thing was I just like to find all the creatures. I just like to go and just find the weirdest shit I can. And I remember I eventually came across these animals and they looked like penises. And I was out. I was done. That was it. You just couldn't live in that world anymore. No, so I haven't I haven't played that game in a very long time. <laughs> I did not. I've never come across a penis. So. Yeah, you play it enough, you will. Okay. Well, maybe that will be my stopping point. Um, but in all seriousness, I I want to pick it up again because I've heard they've done a lot to it, and it, it's been such a long time since. Because I basically played it release. I don't know what they've done, and I, I'm interested to know. But it's just one of those things. To rem- I I just keep forgetting to yeah. check in on it. Yeah, I definitely think it is one of those things you need to check back in now. Uh, especially, like I said, they've added like a little bit more of a campaign in there, like some stuff to do. Uh, you can build a base, which is quite nice. If you land oh, on the planet cool. and you really like it, you can be like, I'm just going to build my little home there. 
Uh, there's multiplayer in there now, or and there's going to be even more multiplayer stuff in there. <gasps> well, I, in the what console update. do you own it on? Sorry, just to interrupt. Uh, PlayStation Four, I think. Well, then we can go find penis monsters together. Ah, that sounds like a beautiful time. Sweet, I'm excited. Yeah, See you uh, it's, there. it's definitely worth checking out now if you were put off initially, um, or if you heard bad things initially and then thought oh this is probably not a good game revisit now for sure i think it's uh it's got its own little cult following of uh really big fans and what they say about it is right it's a good survival kind of adventure game now it's definitely definitely worth your time um i think i don't really know how many facts i have um i guess i'm not going to be as topical as you i guess the closest worldly fact that i could find was if you were to spend a second on uh, i'm gonna start that again a second a second if you were to spend a second on each planet it would take around 585 billion years to explore them all oh my god that's, that's just intense literally if you just land on it and then fly away that's insane it is crazy um, very overwhelming and my less topical but i guess technically worldy thing was well, the, the whole game is worldly. Well, Sorry. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but this is about uh, our world. So Hello Games office, their actual office in Guildford, I believe it is, uh, was flooded in 2014, which was the year they, after they announced that the game would be released. Uh, the team lost PCs, laptops, various dev kits, a load of tech. Um, and they kind of had to scrape really hard and work together to get the game out like as i said because i pretty much lost everything um this was when they started with four developers and a single room uh just after the flood they went up to 13 members but the whole game was only made by 13 members and i think they were delayed once which is an incredible feat to get that much done um by you know four to 13 and a flood to deal with yeah that's intense yeah that's a but that's grand old you know, time. That shows that obviously they're determined, and after they had that big flop when the game came out, they're also determined and they fixed it, and everything's fine. So yeah, yeah, positives all round. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's my number four. Cool. So we'll we'll slide into my number three. And this is going to be the world of Rapture mm-hmm. from the Bioshock games. Yeah, I thought you might have Rapture in here somewhere isn't really that much of a surprise considering it's like my favorite game ever mm-hmm. but i had to include rapture i think because i think for me it's always one of the most phenomenal game worlds i guess can you call it a world it it is a world because it's the world of bioshock but i'm more specifically talking about the world of rapture columbia is is up there too maybe that is with his insane world who knows they're all parallel worlds who the fuck knows anymore but i'm specifically talking about rapture timelines <laughs> from bioshock one and two and parts of bioshock infinite very let's see um i don't know why i thought that was a spoiler it's not really a spoiler so we're gonna go into a bit of in story title, time so. well there you go exactly and yeah we're gonna go into some story time now oh, story time with nikki I'm because excited. you can't really talk about the the in-depth story of rapture without explaining everything so we're gonna much to Steph's probably dismay right now we're gonna go into some some long reading I'm gonna get comfortable so (laughs) Rapture 
is a massive underwater city forged from the personal dreams of Andrew Ryan to escape the political, social and religious anxieties of post-World War II. Well, a post-World War II world. It was first established on November 5th, 1946. Aptra is awesome because it has this kind of like 50s, 40s aesthetic, but it's underwater. What more could you want? For me, I'm like, I remember I played it first time and I'm like, I'm sold. So Andrew Ryan named his city after the goal he set in mind, which is to create paradise free from all the people he saw as parasites. So it was a place of true rapture, which I don't think sounds that endearing. No, Um, it doesn't sound like a place. It doesn't sound like Disney World, that's for sure. No, I think rapture is a cool word, but I wouldn't say that I'd be like, yeah, this is a place of rapture, because that kind of sounds a bit like everyone's going to hell, which, spoiler, it all goes to hell. So the original goal of Rapture was to create a capitalist society free of any religious and government interference of any kind where any citizen could prosper for his or own gain without having to fulfil the wants of others, which, you know, that's going to go well, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> already, just that whole sentence. Yeah, you've just set yourself up there for uh, So basically, it's a world where everyone could just do what the fuck they want, you know, and that's just, that's it. And it's full of really smart people, which is great, but, you know, it doesn't mean they're nice. So it was filled with the world's best and brightest uh, and they were granted freedom of will and choice. And, wait, yeah, they were granted freedom of will and choice and rapture, so they could just do whatever the fuck they wanted, basically. They didn't have things like religion or government stopping them, which, again, great idea, Ryan. Great idea. So <laughs> the world be utopia had its flaws, obviously. And in Rapture's purely capitalistic society, there was no publicly funded social programs. So everything in the city was privately owned, so everything came with a price. So basically, if you were rich, then you're all good you're all good but if you weren't then you're a gross little parasite in ryan's eyes so a lot of people obviously decided to well didn't decide to they kind of did they decided to just resent andrew ryan because he was a bit of a dick and his whole like cold-hearted elitist society was just not working for everyone so in most societies when people start to not like the leader uh there was a bit of a revolt so Andrew Ryan's hostility and paranoia of the parasites and other exploiting rapture freedoms to seize power resulted in him issuing an edict, which I think declares all contact with the outside world to be severed. So basically it was just like, I'm just going to cut this whole place off, which is, again, good idea. So you've just basically got an underwater city full of really power-hungry, mad people, and then also people that hate Andrew Ryan and just want to fucking revolt. So things obviously took a turn for the worst. And what made it even worse was that they discovered Adam, which is basically a slug. So when you harvest the slug, (laughs) you get this really cool chemical called Eve, which allows the user to alter their genetic code without any limits whatsoever, aside from their own imagination. So people just went fucking cray cray. And this led to a huge upswing in productivity, which was good. But then everyone went fucking mad because you have too much Adam and then you go fucking loco. So yeah, they do that. And then there was a big revolt. Everyone got really pissed off, and then this other guy, Fontaine, who I've mentioned in one of my other top fives, he kind of um, is like the leader of the revolt, and everything kind of goes from there, and yeah, the rest is history. I mean, I like it. I never realised that Adam was a slug. Yeah, it was like a bright glowing slug, and I think they, I'm pretty sure it was, and then they found it, and then that's when they harvest it. Fair. And then shit hit the fan. Sometimes I think I just didn't pay attention that much, as much as I should there's, have There's a lot to Rapture and Bioshock. I read the one of the books that came out, I think it might have been titled Rapture, actually. And it was really in-depth. It just spoke all about, like, Andrew Ryan, like, him before he even built the city. And then, like, 
it's really cool. It's based off a book that is called Atlas Shrugged, which is an incredible but intense book about capitalism and, and stuff like that. And I think that's why I picked Rapture, because there's just so much to it. And it's so intelligent. It's a really, really intelligent story. And I think that's why I've always loved it. And also, if we're speaking of the Bioshock world, Columbia is also a really interesting city. I mean, it, it flies, it's in the sky, it's really, really beautiful in its own way. And it's kind of cool how you get the above and below cities and they're so drastically different. So obviously Rapture is kind of rejected religion, government and everything, whereas obviously Columbia is like, ah, religion, Comstock is the god. And um, so it's quite interesting to have the kind of two drastic cities that aren't functioning well, but opposite ends of the scale kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I don't think I've ever really thought about that in much detail, but now you mention it, yeah, it's quite a different like because obviously they are really like contrasting cities in the way they visually are yeah but yeah like you see when you apply the logic of you know why they were made and how who they're run by it makes sense for them like their the way they look their visuals just Mm. reflect that really well yeah so although i wouldn't like to live in rapture i think it's an amazingly intricate world and just unique and there's nothing else like it and that's why i think i had to put it in my list yeah, I think that's fair. I think it does something Bioshock uh, for horror games, really, that you don't expect. It kind of introduced yeah. the fact that there could be a really crazy twist and story in in a yeah. horror game and, and not just be, hey, uh, smash yeah. this stuff and hit this Well, stuff exactly. And, there yeah. could be like a really compelling understory, an intelligent understory to a game that is very horrifying, which... I find interesting and also it obviously plays on human psyche and um sort of social side of things as well which is just yeah i just can't fault it i love it yeah good so i've got some facts and one of them is that the game went through multiple incarnations during development ranging in time periods from the 1930s to the future and at one point it was intended to be very functional well, Rapture is meant to be very functional, looking more like an underground subway system rather than an underwater base. Mm. This was before, obviously, like the Art Deco style was considered. Um, obviously, they then they, they decided that just having it to like a subway was kind of shit and bland, so they decided to to do the Art Deco style, which works so well in its favour. So, yeah. very grateful for that because I think that definitely drew me towards it um, to have that kind of fifties, forties style to it. Yeah, and especially go leaning on the Art Deco side of things rather than, I don't know, the obvious, more like Americana style yeah. of like, that kind of age. Yeah. No, it's really, really good. So another fact, which is not as uh, topical as a worldly, is that some of the Splicers, so they're like the, the eaved up crazy people, uh, their distorted faces were based on photos of World War One veterans who had undergone facial reconstructive surgery, which is dark. That is dark. Yeah. Too dark. Considering that some of them look really messed up as well, which is disturbing. Because they are, like, fucking nuts. Like, they're quite scary. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, like, kind of their main thing is that they, yeah. you know, their dress is fairly of the time and feels, although it's dirty, it's, you know, fine. Their general yeah. bodies are normal but yeah it's just that that facial kind of so i'll give you a a more upbeat fact to end on i like it after that one which is before the little sisters became the gatherers in the game early designs included a sea slug a frog with a funnel in its anus and a dog in a wheelchair that's quite a broad range of things yeah i don't i mean I, i get the sea slug but I don't get the frog with a funnel in its anus and I don't get the dog in a wheelchair, really. I don't really understand. The gatherers 
are like the things that harvest the Adam and, you know, the Eve and whatever. And I don't understand why you thought a frog with a funnel in its anus would be like a productive member of society. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be helpful for him. I can imagine if he ate it, you could make sense. But why... Why well, I guess he wanders edema? around with a with a funnel so that he like sucks up all the the atom from his anus. I mean, is that how frogs do that? No, I don't think this person who designed that really understands frog anatomy. I mean, that's that's not what what I do. Also, I don't know why the dog was in a wheelchair. Why not just get the like? Why not? I don't. I don't understand. Why does so the many dog questions. have something in his anus? Yeah, I mean. I just don't, yeah, I, I don't know. So many questions, Bioshock. So many questions. These important things that we need answered. I just don't know. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever and on know. That, no, on that, on that confusing, puzzling note, that's my, that's my number three done. Beautiful. I love it. So moving on from that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do my number three. And my number three is Sea of Thieves. Hmm. So more action adventure. So I've realised, by the way, that pretty much all my games are action adventure. So that's a clue for you. It is a multiplayer game that was released early last year by Rare. Um, you play as a salty dog trying to increase your pirate rep across lots of different islands and quests and all kind of fun things. It's mostly a big sandbox. So the world is... Uh, it was more empty. It's becoming a little bit more filled up now. But it is a fairly empty world because you're just travelling at sea. Um, and the fun is basically just you and your pirate friends doing stuff. Um, but in that, it kind of creates its own fun little sandbox for you guys to just explore. Um, obviously, it, you know was empty and it had like some stuff but recently they've added uh ways of like there's more of a campaign missions in there there's cooking uh and my favorite pastime ever in a video game fishing you can now fish um but generally the world is a fun place to explore without that um the water in it is some of the like nicest like most beautiful well-rendered water like i've ever been a part of it's great it's just you just look at it and go oh i'm at sea you don't really have that whole like weird water blue thing kind of bobbing around um and traveling to your islands because most of the time you're on your boat and you're just kind of doing stuff and steering around and stuff but then when you get to an island it always feels quite reward rewarding when you land there it's uh you know you always feel like there's some kind of secret in the island or there's just something to do uh even if it is literally like running to the high point of an island and jumping off into the sea like you would if you found a random island with a high point on it like in you know as a human you would just naturally do it it's still fun to do that in game which sounds bizarre but that's kind of the world that i think rare have like fostered and created um because it's multiplayer i think that does add quite a bit of fun like it's a silly game so you kind of naturally become quite silly when playing it like getting drunk and playing your instrument and then throwing up onto your friend's face these are all things you could do um i think the other side of it in multiplayer is that obviously there are other pirate ships and stuff lurking around and you never really know whether that 
other ship is going to be friend or foe so there's always that kind of minute of like silliness of like are they going to start shooting at us or are they going to like jump onto our boat and start dancing and drinking and you know doing weird stuff like i remember i was playing recently and i was trying to fish and i was being attacked by a skeleton i didn't realize and another guy kind of came up and he basically saved me but i lost my fish and i remember being like oh you bastard my damn fish and everyone was like he saved you and then he just kept on bringing me pineapples as an apology and i was like this is really this is really cute and i was like i feel really bad for yelling at you now because did you actually physically yell at him well i did yell you bastard my fish with uh, your mic on yeah <laughs> And so then he just brought you pineapples. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. It was. I did say I'm sorry. And I did say thank you very much for saying. Did he me. speak back? No. Oh, he's so probably crying. Probably. I'm he's so probably sorry. eight years old and you just like, you call him a bastard. So he doesn't know what else to do with his life apart from bring pineapples. I mean, I didn't mean to. Losing your fish is quite a tragic event. And it was like the first fishing I'd managed to do and I was very excited for it and... I was, I was, I was too caught up in what I was doing. This is what this game does to me. I get really piratey, <laughs> and I get really obsessed with fishing. Um, oh, there you go. But I if you ever see Steph like fishing off the side of her boat in in this game, just just swim on by. <laughs> just keep going. Unless Don't you got pineapples, that. and then you can leave them as an offering yeah. to appease me. <laughs> uh, it's a silly game, um, but I think. You know, it kind of fosters silliness the way that they've done and the character designs and just everything about it. Is, yeah. is I love I love that game. I wish I could have played it more, but because it's an Xbox exclusive, it's very difficult for me to do so. But the times I have played it, I really enjoyed it. And I, I, I think my fondest memories were just getting really, really drunk and just peeking on everyone. Yeah, see, it's great fun. Playing, I like to play instruments when I'm drunk because you play them worse. You make yeah. them like, sound awful. Uh, which I think is a really nice detail, uh, a pointless detail, but that kind of detail I like. I think my only real memories of playing it was with you and I was around your your place and I remember just getting adamant that I was going to get all of the pigs and the chickens. I don't know why, I just, I wanted to collect all of them. That sounds like that was about, you do. That was about it really. I, I just remember being adamant doing that and then finally when I was civilised and got onto a boat, I was just chasing everyone around, peeking on them, and it was fun, and they were all, like, kept yelling at me, but it's just what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I think in Sea of Thieves, you're allowed to do those things, so that's fine. (laughs) Um, There is, like... Good game. Yeah, there's more serious stuff, especially now they've added more of an interesting kind of campaign story in there for their... um, it was like a year anniversary and they did a big update which introduced the fishing and the cooking and stuff and one of the other things was the campaign mission i think there's also now like a pvp arena which i will never go into because i'm awful at swords and shooting and general stuff that i'm actually supposed to do in this game uh but the actual campaign is a little bit more like you read a book and you try and work out the riddles and try and work out where on the map you need to go um which is really fun and i think just kind of going like looking at a map shouldn't be entertaining and trying to work out like where on this map you need to go but it is you just kind of go like well i need to match this island and it sounds like this island so yeah it's a lot of that kind of stuff and then also trying to do stuff and being attacked by a giant megalodon halfway through is you know not what you want that sounds amazing does that happen yeah there's now big sharks in there there's a megalodon who attacks you and the i mean the kraken was in there to begin with but he 
attacks every so often and yeah it's never gonna get ported to playstation is it no it's a microsoft game fuck's sake yeah you know on pc i tend to play it on pc and on xbox my pc can barely even load skype so well shit yeah oh well <laughs> it's still a good game yeah um i don't have many facts the only fact that i had was a good one i enjoyed it um so on one of the islands a skeleton eating a banana is seen sitting against a rock that ne- that bears the name griffin this is a reference to an interviewer at the website polygon who attempted to eat a banana with the peel on and top first <laughs> Which is how it appears that the player eats bananas in the game. So you get health by eating bananas and you pretty much just, you don't peel the banana, you just eat the banana. Um, And there's a really good video. And if you've never watched it, it's a good sight of a human trying to eat a crunchy banana. How does it go? What? How does the... How does the eating a banana with with all the thing on go? I mean, I think you should watch it and find out because the faces. (laughs) I'll do that. I don't even think anyone's talking to him either. I think he's just sat there and he just tries to do it. I think he's just half in the background. It's good. It's a good one. Uh, (laughs) So well done, Griffin, for trying to crunch on a banana. Uh, And that's like my only fact for this game. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Quality facts. (laughs) That's what you like. Okay, cool. Does that mean you're done? That is my number three. Okay. So my number two, I have picked a game that I have been dying to speak about, and I'm glad I picked it for this one, and that is Jade Empire. Oh, I don't think I know so, this game. Hmm? I don't think I know this game. It's a Bioware game. Oh. So it's one of the most, in my opinion, underrated Bioware games out there. Uh, it is an action role-playing game developed by Bioware, originally published by Microsoft Game Studios in 2005. It was originally an Xbox exclusive, and I played it when I was quite young, but I remember just falling in love with it because it is... It's set in a world that's based on Chinese mythology, uh, but it is effectively, it's not set in China. It's set in a fantasy world that is inspired by the elements of, of like China. So things like the constructed language and the musical score and the China, the influence of Chinese history and culture and folklore is all within it. So it's taken elements from the history of ancient China and Chinese mythology, but it's still a fantasy world where um humans live in a mortal rain realm but there's like mythical creatures and monsters and everything and i remember when i was younger uh picking up on the original xbox and just absolutely adoring it like it was just such a amazing world and it, for me i hadn't really played anything like that before like i think any other game that was so inspired by like chinese mythology was always kind of a bit novelty yeah. whereas this one was quite serious and just seemed to be like a really cool story within a realm that's just you know has that kind of underlying but it's not i don't know it doesn't have any novelty to it if you know what i mean it's hard to explain but i remember i just fell in love with it because it had such a rich story as any bioware games do obviously and um yeah that was just it was just so cool and uh, you say basically you get to play a surviving spirit monk on a quest to save their tutor master lee and defeat the forces of corrupt emperor sun high and you get to go through all these awesome, like, little Chinese villages. Well, I say Chinese. Inspired Chinese villages. And these just amazing areas, which I haven't played this game in a very long time. I know that it's available on, the on like, uh, phones now, like Android and iOS and everything. And I've wanted to pick it up. I just know that I don't actually have that much space on my phone. So that tends to stop me. 
but I really want to pick it up again because it it was just so inspiring. And I really hope it's not one of those things where I'll pick it up and I'll be like, oh God, this is dead. <laughs> because I remember it being so amazing yeah. and just having this just incredible, like in-depth history to it, which of course it would because it's a spyware game. Like I, I don't doubt what I remember. Yeah. So yeah, like there's key locations in the game, which include the isolated village of Two Rivers, where the story begins. Tien's Landing, a former major port now shunned due to its dark past, the Imperial Capital, Seat of Sunhai and the centre of the Jade Empire, and Dirge, a ruined temple haunted by the spirits of its inhabitants. And yeah, I remember just the art in it was in- incredible. Like all of the locations were just so cool and just nothing like anything else. So I don't really have much else to say on it apart from that because it has been a long time since I played it, but it's still always stuck with me. It's still always been one of those games which I find that not many people have played which again I think is because it's really underrated but yeah I, I think it's just been it's like quite a, it's got quite a special place in my heart that little world yeah. of Jade Empire yeah like I said I've never heard of it um or seen much of it but it sounds mm. very cool I like like you said like the idea of taking Chinese mythology but not doing the obvious with it is, yeah. sounds really interesting yeah it was really really good and the voice acting was funny because <laughs> they did create their own language so this kind of ties into one of my facts, but um, the so while much of the script is in English, obviously because there is just like normal kind of American-y voice actors, some of them sound a little bit silly. Um, but the language that is in the game that obviously isn't always spoken to you, but is spoken, is a language called Thou Fan or Thu Fan, and it's a two thousand five hundred word Asian style constructed language translated for players using English subtitles. So this language is similar to the development of the Klingon language for Star Trek and the Elvish languages for Lord of the Rings. Thalfan was developed to add to the personality, realism and immersion to the setting of Jade Empire. And the team the team chose not to use a real world Asian language as Jade Empire was obviously still set in that fantasy world, despite the obvious influence. So what uh, what they did to create the language was Bioware contacted the linguistics department of a nearby university. And a guy responded, who was a student, he must have been doing, like, language and all that kind of stuff. And um, apparently to get to get the kind of job to create this language for them, he spoke several sentences in fluent Klingon. So he impressed them so much that they decided, they were like, you're hired. So he decided to uh, create the language to kind of sound a bit like Mongolian, yeah. but based on a lot of soft sounds. So the fact that they had their own, like, language made, which is, to me is just amazing and shows, obviously, that it's such a, a cool world. Yeah, definitely. I've like I've never really heard about it other than like Simlish of having its own yeah. language, but yeah, it makes more sense. I wish more things would just do that. Just you know, yeah. go balls out. And, and just just so you know, there's romance options in the game. There's any good Bioware game, so <laughs> it's definitely a good one. That's often what I look for in my Bioware game. So <laughs> it it really I'm is. Intrigued. I yeah, I remember getting really into the game, and not just because there was a sexy man alongside me, yeah. or woman. There was lots of sexy women too, um, but yeah it was great and i've got some other facts which are less relevant so <laughs> that is one of the notable cast members was the man himself nathan fillion Aww. the role his role in the game was one of his earliest video game acting jobs and guess who else is in the game as a voice actor who john cleese <gasps> amazing he voiced a character called sir roderick ponce von fontalbottom so he was awesome. quite an english character must have been across across seas i remember him being quite humorous so that was amazing 
awesome. I think as well I read that um, he might have quite a strict schedule so like John Cleese literally recorded like all of the lines within like an afternoon which is just very John Cleese <laughs> yeah just like right let's get this over and done with yeah so um, apparently this was also the first game made by Bi- Bioware not based on an existing franchise this took me a moment to think about because I was like hang on I th- think this was made after KOTOR which is based on Star Wars mm. and also after Baldur's Gate which is based on Dungeons and Dragons so I was like yes this was its like first original story. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like when you first said it was Bioware, I was like trying to picture in the timeline mm. where it sits and how I've just never, yeah, never thought about it. So it. also mm. something that got me very excited was apparently we all know that Bioware and EA are like together now. Um, EA filed for a trademark for Jade Empire in January 2019. Now, I don't know what a trademark means, but everyone's saying that there's potentially going to be a Jade Empire game in the future. Well, I guess a trademarking just means that no one else can use it. It's kind of like copywriting it. So they're kind of taking it, I guess. I guess they're just saying, like, maybe they'll make it, and if they do, they've got the rights to it. That would be sure. amazing. I think we're, we can all hope. Yeah, we'll cross our fingers yeah but no i definitely recommend like if you want to get into a game like say on your phone because i know i know it's on the play store i don't know how to play it now i won't lie to you i don't think it's been like ported on anything so it's it's a good one i reckon you should uh you should play it i mean you are a bioware fanboy like i am so you gotta you gotta play this one i, I recommend it these are like you're pulling out bioware games and i can't be that much of a fanboy considering i haven't played two of the games that you have just mentioned but true i uh <laughs> well i know you I like, like bioware it. mostly because of mass effect yeah pretty much just 100 percent because of mass effect yeah. but um no i will definitely look it up it sounds interesting yeah it's a it's a good game that's all my facts really i'm yeah I'm, I'm pretty much done with that yeah i recommend it to anyone who loves rpgs and also this is a particularly underrated one if you like bioware as well and you like romance and and john cleese i mean and they can fill in it's selling it to me for sure yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that was cool. That was a cool number two. And yes. an unexpected number two. Mm. I like it when this happens. Um, so my number two, if you are all done. I'm done. Is the world of Pokemon. <laughs> I knew this was going to be in yours. Well, it's not in mine. Yeah, well, I figured you're not a, a huge Pokemon fan. No. Uh, there's a lot to cover in the Pokemon world, uh, so I won't. But... <laughs> <laughs> But it started with red and green, blue if you're outside of Japan, uh, on the Game Boy, old traditional Game Boy back in 1996, and basically has turned into the crazy phenomenon that it is today that everyone knows. Um, there's so much to say, so I'm going to try and keep it on talking about the world as much as possible. Obviously, the Pokemon are the wildlife of that world, so it's hard not to talk about them, but... I will endeavour to just power through. Um, so there's lots of different locations in the Pokemon world that you visit. Uh, so the original one was Johto, uh, Kanto, sorry, then Johto, Sinnoh, Yevo- Unova, Hoenn, Kalos, and most recently Aloha. And there's obviously the new one that comes out at some point um, for Sword and Shield, which is based in a new world again, which I really enjoy because I like that every time you visit the Pokemon kind of world from each game you get to kind of see a different section of it obviously they're like different continents uh they're kind of like normally like a group of a continent or like an island uh, i think kanto and johto are kind of connected 
uh, and obviously Aloha is the newer one that's made up of lots of islands and the rest are kind of like I think some of them are connected I can't remember what the big world map looks like when you put them all together um, but it's interesting it kind of gives across this each one has a different feeling so uh, the original kind of like Kanto and Johto felt a little bit more based on Japanese culture uh, and buildings and that kind of thing but then you've had there was like more of a Paris theme one I think that was kind of like uh, Kalos I want to say or Unova uh, Aloan is very much like Hawaiian and islands and uh, like South Pacific kind of area um, so they kind of dot around I think the new one is basically they've kind of said is a bit more European like Scotland essentially is kind of where it feels like it's going to be set so not only do you just get like Pokemon you also get a little bit more feeling of you know different the world is different in places which is you know something really nice um, which I feel like is kind of the nice thing about Pokemon it feels very utopian it feels very Star Trekky in that sense which I'm a big fan of where everything just kind of has come together and everyone's kind of living in a weird piece um, between like the Pokemon and the human portions of that's what they kind of are um, and the, that kind of spread of different cultures but everyone's really celebrated about it um, and there's just kind of you know animals running around the wild that you can train and there's dragons and I mean that I, that's more what more do you want um, <laughs> I think the other thing is if I can imagine being in this world and you don't have to be a trainer like you don't have to be a Pokemon trainer you can still live in this world and do something else um you know like the normal world but it's basically like our world but nicer that's kind of how i'm selling uh pokemon right now except uh, you can't cage shiny little animals and balls no but they're your friends and they're not caged they i mean yeah you. sorry wrong words wrong words yeah, um put them in balls put them in a new home yeah um yeah not against their will yeah they want to be in the balls yeah you've caught them they are now your friend uh, but this is what I mean. Like, you don't have to. Like, I feel like you could be in a part... The nice thing is they kind of convey that not everyone trains their Pokemon in that way. They, you know, just live in their house and help them with shit. And, you know, like, that is a that is a possibility. Or they work in some kind of service industry, like the police or the nursing. <laughs> to be fair, if that was me, I would literally just take all of the Pokemon and just put them in my house. You wouldn't even be able to get in my house. It would just be filled to the brim of Pokemon. Yeah, I think this is the thing with Pokemon in you. You see the kind of the, the view of it and try and take it with a picture of that. But I know full well you'd be all up for living in the Pokemon world with all the Pokemon. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I, they'd be Pokemon fucking everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um... I may um, even start to... Oh, no, we're getting into weird... I was going to say, I may even start to breed them and make even weirder Pokemon, but then we're getting into weird Pokemon pornography again. Let's not go down that road. Oh, I swear we've already been down this road. Fairly recently as well. <laughs> we're uh, not, we're not going to go back. You can, <laughs> however, you can be a Pokemon breeder. That is possible. That's what I would do. Uh, well, that's good to know. I'd like that you run the daycare. That's yeah. My, that's my new favourite image of just you running Pokemon daycare. Just breeding them together. Um, so... I'm kind of going to start my facts early because the facts... It's, I'm going to be like you when you're talking about um, Bioshock and I'm going to tell you a bit about the world creation law that is made. It's quite cool. So, uh, according to Sinho Legends, in the beginning there was nothing but chaos and in the centre of that chaos an egg appeared from which hatched <laughs> Arceus. Arceus is the 
uh, god Pokemon, essentially. He created everything. He created other Pokemon and then four humans. So it's kind of got its own deep, you know, almost religion lore about it. Except Arceus does actually exist and you can catch him as a Pokemon. So it's, you know, a little less pretend. Um, he then created, uh, I can never say it, it's a Dilagger. Die, I could never say it. The embodiment of time, Palika, the embodiment of space, and Girantia, who is banished from another dimension, who is the embodied of antimatter. Um, he then created some other ones called Arismisbit and Yuxi, the spirits of willpower, emotion, knowledge. And uh, and then I think Mew appeared, who he also made. And Mew is a basically the ancestor of all Pokemon. So all Pokemon were born from Mew, which is the little pink guy. Um... And then, basically, after creating the Pokemon Earth, uh, Arceus went into eternal sleep. So that's where he kind of stayed. Um, and, I, and I think, basically, more stuff kind of happens, and that's why you get... Because uh, you can get, like, fossil Pokemon, so, like, early Pokemon exist, and then, obviously, there's, like, kind of moving towards the feature. So it's kind of like a prehistoric era of Pokemon was there, and there was fossils, and there's a whole bunch of other things that Arceus made uh, that I can't be bothered to read or get into right now because uh, there's a lot um but if you are interested i would give it a read because it's interesting uh and a side of it that i didn't really realize existed was that you know uh all this kind of connection um of pokemon and the way it was made and obviously the whole world was made by a pokemon which i thought was quite cool kind of wrapped that itself is cool. up. um my other kind of facts are a little bit less world-based and more just random things that I found that I thought were fun. Uh, so I'm going to start with the... Because it's, again, kind of topical with De De Detective Pikachu recently coming out. That Pikachu's name is Japanese onomatopoeia for sparkle and squeaking. So Pika Pika <laughs> is uh, the sparkling or glitter noise kind of onomatopoeia. And then choo choo is a noise that m mice make in Japan. So instead of squeak squeak... Uh, they say choo choo. Oh, that's interesting. Regional mice language. Yeah. So that's always something I find interesting about other languages that they have other noises that they're, um, you know, that animals make. But it happens. It just it just makes lot. me smile because I can just I feel myself going to Japan and then instead of hearing like you know a cute little mice going squeak squeak, I just <laughs> choo choo. <laughs> Don't know why it just doesn't it doesn't seem as cute. I think it might also depend on the tone that you do it in. Choo. Your mice are very much baritone. Choo choo. Choo choo. <laughs> Gotta go. Where's my cheese? <laughs> Bitch. Yeah, that's that's not nice. <laughs> it's not half as cute. Um, no. no. I guess um, if you say like choo choo, then it's cuter. But for some reason, I just said choo choo. Yeah. I like it. I like your version of mice way better. Uh, and um <laughs> and that's my number two i didn't want to go crazy on the pokemon because obviously it's such a big thing and there are so many pokemon games uh that yeah i just went with just went with that that's and cool. after watching detective pikachu i have to say i want to live in that world even more it seems fun i do need to watch detective pikachu it's a good movie if you like pokemon yeah awesome well, much I don't have much to contribute to to Pokemon is I like it as a game, but it's not something that I fully understand. But maybe when I watch Detective Pikachu, I will. Yeah, I don't think it grasped you as a kid the same way it did some of the other generation, and I think it kind of gets a little lost if it, if 
it you yeah. know if it didn't grab you back then i mean i i'm into it it's just one of those things where it's like i'm not fully into it's, it it's not your jam i get it no but given the choice i would live in a pokemon house full of pokemon yeah that's fair as yeah. long as you would we can still be friends. i would i would cool. so that means we're on to my number one yeah the fabled number one so my number one mm-hmm. is might be a crossover but i don't think it will be is wind waker Ooh, no, it's not no. a crossover. Okay, so I picked Wind Waker over other Legend of Zelda games because I just felt like it was really different. So in this one, compared to the other ones, you get to basically sail around. The whole world is based on a set of islands. And so the game was a 2002 action-adventure game developed by and published by Nintendo for the GameCube. It was the 10th installment in the Legend of Zelda series. And yeah, the thing that sort of separated it from all the other ones was the fact that it was just set in this ginormous ocean. And I remember, especially when I was younger, just being so like amazed by it all. Like the fact that you could actually get in a boat and sail around was just like boggled my little brain. I just thought this is this is incredible. Like open world games were kind of a thing but at this point this one felt more vast than any other like yeah okay Hyrule and Ocarina of Time felt big but this almost felt like there was no limits because it was just an ocean like there's, that's the whole point of an ocean is there isn't often like a cutting there's not like a wall or anything blocking you yeah there's no horizon. so the, the Wind Waker follows the protagonist Link as always as he attempts to save his sister from the sorcerer Ganon and becomes embroiled in a struggle for the Triforce as always. Uh, he's aided by allies including pirate captain Tetra and a talking boat named the King of Red Lions who is the best ever and I don't know why I never included him in my companions list. It's mostly because I forgot about him oh. which I feel awful about but he was an amazing companion. And you get to sail the seas with him. I mean, who would not want a talking boat as a as a boat? Well, he was like a talking red lion as a boat, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, you kind of just traverse the world with with your little boat and your little uh, baton. So you use your your wind baton to control the wind so that you can sail better, which is again a really really cool little like dynamic that they introduced. That I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. So yeah, the game world comprises forty nine gridded sections of the Great Sea each containing an island or at least a chain of islands. Some obviously must be explored to continue the story, while others are optional, which is what I loved. I loved the fact that you could just go, fuck it, I'm just not. I'm just going to ignore that the main story that I've got to do. Fuck the sister. Like, she she can wait in her dungeon with Ganon. Like, she'll be fine. I'm sure she's getting soup and shit. Like, I'm going to go explore that cool island with all those weird blobby chews on it. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's what I did too. Which is funny because we were just talking about choo-choos and in this game the enemies are called choo-choos. So that's funny. Um, But yeah, I I just adored the fact that you could just get in a boat and just sail around. Very similar to that game you mentioned that I've just forgotten the name of. Sea of Thieves? (laughs) That's the one. Yeah. Very similar. The fact that you can get in a boat and just sail around. There's something amazing about those kind of games because it just feels infinite. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's why I like Sea of Thieves so much is from my love of Wind Waker. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it was just so good. And I think at at that point in time, it was still pretty early on in open world games that it just, for me, felt like the most open world game that I've ever come across at that point in time. Yeah. And I just loved that some islands were just pointless, but they were just fun to explore because it's similar to any other game where you can wander around and find stuff. But the fact that it was in an ocean, I don't know, just made it seem more, I don't know. 
Yeah, I guess, yeah, like you said, nothing had really been set on an ocean before. No. Like, I can't think of any other games where you, you, you know, sailed around mm. before that completely open. It was really relaxing as well, I found, just mm. swooshing around in the sea. Yeah, the good music you'd start off. It yeah. was definitely one of those things where you could just put yourself on sail in a direction and then just, you know, tune off for a little yeah. bit. But the world itself was amazing. The The islands were incredible and the characters on the islands were awesome. Like, I loved all the different species. The bird, the bird species on, on Dragon Roost Island were, were awesome and um, Maycar and all the, the forest sprites and everything and, like, the Deku Tree were just, just so good. And not to say that the other Zelda games aren't so good with all the other characters and stuff. It was just this one. I think the world, for me, is something that really stands out. Yeah, I just so, yeah, just because it was just like so unique. So speaking of choo choos, the uh, <laughs> the name of this enemy, which is this enemy, is effectively like a weird blob, uh, squishy thing. Uh, this like sound file for the the enemies, they make this sort of noise, hard to explain. It turns out that the the audio used for this enemy was two Japanese men arguing, sped up and played in reverse. The man at the start says, obviously in Japanese, at least I'm not balding. And the man at the end says, and looking like you are, people will think you're a monster. That's amazing. Yeah, so now you know when you play Windmaker that the choo-choos are just saying that you're over just, and over again. Just two men yelling at each other. <laughs> I like it. Um, and also speaking of the vast ocean and its beautifulness apparently there's real world constellations that can be seen in the skies at night these include the Big Dipper, Orion and Cassiopeia which is cool Hmm. so if you look up to the sky you'll actually see the real constellations which I thought was awesome yeah very cool Uh, another one of my facts as well is there is an island I don't know if anyone knows about it I don't know if you know about it where once you receive a camera if you take pictures of people and you take these pictures to this guy living on this random island in his little museum, he will make figures of yes. people. I did know yes. this. I visited him many times. So I got addicted to this before I even really understood my addiction to figurines. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it started. But the gateway this drug. is this is the origin, I think, to my addiction to figurines. Literally, take a picture of anything and I'll make a figurine out of it. I wish I could do this in real life. I really do. Oh. I'd make a figurine out of everybody I knew. <laughs> creepy. <laughs> really creepy Terrifying. when you say it like that. Yeah, I like it. I like that you Didn't quite realise. No, so yeah, but it's such a cool little thing. It's such a cool... Because you can go up to them and like look at them and I don't know, there's just, there's just something awesome about it because it, it brings in this whole kind of Pokemon kind of vibe to it where you want to catch them all, you know, you want to take pictures of everybody, even if it means that you're looking like a creepy little guy in a bush holding a camera because <laughs> you're like, I'm going to make a figurine out of you. You're going to be added to my collection, pretty lady. <laughs> yeah, which which is cool. I just loved it. I just thought it was a really cool little thing, despite its creepiness. And to this day, all I want to do when I play that game now is make sure I get pictures of everyone. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? It's just, you don't know. Done, done. That's my number one. Amazing. Great uh, game. Yeah. Terrifying, but I love it. Um... <laughs> Oh, you've basically just come out as a creep. There's no denying it. No. That is... Uh, if you ever see me with a camera near your neighbourhood... I know what you're doing. I'm making a figurine out of you to add to my collection. God help us all if you ever get a 3D printer. 
<laughs> Soon. <laughs> my one goal. Um, that's a very interesting number one. Uh, because do you know what my number one is? Yeah, it's probably Ocarina of Time. It is not Ocarina of Time. Uh, it wait. is in fact Twilight oh. Princess. No. Is it Skyward Sword? No, is it Breath of the Wild? It is Breath of the Wild. I've not played it. You went through all the things. I know you've not played it. Um, So I'm not going to talk about the story of the game. I'm just going to talk about the world of the game. Um, And it is amazing. It is a remarkable and huge game. uh, And the map size is just craziness. But it is, again, an action-adventure game made by Nintendo and is the latest entry into the Legend of Zelda series. Same thing as, you know, good old Wind Waker. Um, and I feel like I like this because it does take a lot from what Wind Waker started. Um, that feeling of adventure and expansiveness. Um, and the general... The whole game invites and encourages you to just explore this map. Um, everything is super open and free for you to do. You can do anything. There's like no linear path. You can do anything at any time. Uh, so if you want to just, you know leave the you know the start error and go attack ganon you can do that if you want to it's not particularly recommended and you'll probably die but you can do that um i think the idea that you can do as much or as little as you want of everything is just really interesting and the fact that you can just travel you know you can take your time to work out like hey there's a big mountain here i wonder what's at the top of it i'm just gonna go climb and see uh, just to see what it is um, and that feeling that you get like I could just spend hours in this game and I do just not particularly doing anything I think quite often in this game I found myself starting a mission or picking somewhere that I needed to go on the map and just kind of riding there on my horse um, r- again like we were saying rather than fast traveling I would always travel you know just by myself just and then i just see what i discover on the long way and i get really distracted so i just kind of find something interesting and go on like some wayward tangent around this other area because i just found something interesting to go and look at um i think the people and the characters that you encounter on it are just as fun and they have that same feeling i think in wind waker was very special because every character that you met had a, a really interesting sense of themselves like the characters were just a lot of fun um to me and i think that breath of the wild kind of captures that same feeling um it's i don't know it's a very interesting game that i like spending time in which i think is why it's my favorite it's one of the only games i've ever played where i can do nothing in this game and i have a great time doing it see i'm really intrigued by this game because normally i would have hands down picked up any zelda game since it came out but i haven't been able to play this one and I know that I've almost blacked it out. I've, I've purposely not thought about it because I know that right now I don't have time to play it and I, I don't have anything to play it on, really. But I'm so intrigued by it. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm still... Because I know that when I get into it, I'll love it and I'll be absorbed by it and it'll be, like, the best thing ever. But knowing that I can't play it means that, like, yeah. But I am curious. Is there is there cute characters? Like, there there isn't some of them, if you know what I mean. Yes, there is. there is some cute people okay. and some cute characters Good. Good. Um, around... I think there's one error. Can you make you figures will... out of them? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know if there's figures. There is one area that I think you will love very much, but that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, okay. It's, uh, I think the most interesting thing I think that it does is that because it introduced a physics engine to the game, 
Um, it basically means that people can kind of approach problems in any way they want to try and find, rather than finding a single solution like a lot of the Zelda dungeons kind of have, where they just have this straight way of doing something. Um, because of the way that the world is built and, like I said, the physics of it, you can kind of do different ways. You can just try something and see if it happens and it, you know, generally sometimes works out and sometimes it doesn't. But it's interesting watching someone try and do a puzzle one way and then thinking, hey, I never would have thought to try and do that that way. And then someone else does something and it's completely different, but they've achieved like the same results. It's a very interesting thing. Like even to the point where it's like, um, the world feels so expansive. Like uh, when it's a lightning storm, if you're wearing anything metal, it starts to like spark. And if you leave it on for too long, uh, you'll get hit by a lightning strike and it does quite a lot of damage to you. So little details like that are quite interesting, but then you can do things like if you throw a metal sword at an enemy in a lightning storm, and then that gets hit by a strike, you essentially have, like, have thrown the lightning at the enemy. So there's just lots of crazy stuff you can do um, and play around with. And it's just like, yeah, it's just a little bit mind boggling. And I think it was the same as you. I picked it up a bit later than when obviously it first came out. And I think I just kind of blocked it from my view for a while. And then I saw a lot of people play it and I thought, I'm not going to be as mazed. By the time I get around to playing this game, I've heard so much about it. I'm just not going to be as hyped as you know everyone keeps telling me to be but i think i was very wrong about that it, i think because you can do it the way that you want to you can kind of get whatever you want out of it um for sure so um i'm trying to think if i have any real good facts other than a couple things so one of my facts is more just something interesting to talk about and it's a little bit nerdy but bear with me um so the way nintendo have designed the landscapes of the game basically subtly guide the player to where they want them to do where they want them to go so nintendo hired i think the guy who did the xenoblade uh topography maps and stuff um they basically did lots of work where they created situations and i think it's called something like the triangle effect or something like that where they make lots of triangular kind of mountains and things like that um and like specific using height and stuff in a certain way where you create like a valley and a pathway uh and eventually the player kind of naturally by exploring these areas will kind of go towards where they want them to kind of like a boulder rolling oh, into a pit yeah the player will always naturally end up where they need to be. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's one, it's a really interesting route that's on Gamer Sutra and there's a guy who goes into a lot more depth than I'm going. Um, so I would recommend reading it if you're interested. Um, but it kind of, it's, it spoke to me a lot because it kind of spoke to me on my UI side of things where it's like you don't need navigation UI to guide players to where you want to, them to go, uh, which I find really interesting. Uh, it's my typical war on the minimap. Like, Zelda has, you know, none of this. And They've succeeded. Yeah. And and Nintendo have, like, nailed it just by using some mountains and some very interesting topography and height and all this kind of shit. And, um, yeah, I'm very... I was very interested in that. Um, okay. And now on my silly facts, my... Well, not silly facts, just my more, you know, my, my different facts. Um, so this is the first game in 3D in the series to include manual jumping. What? Yeah, you can't jump manually in any other Zelda 3D game. Uh, it was originally planned. What do you for... mean? So 
in Ocarina of Time, you can never just jump randomly walking along the field. You have to go up to an area and then walk off it and kind of press a button and you'll jump. Right. Um, you not, oh, I guess you kind of roll, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you just roll around. You can't jump unless you're kind of at a point. You just have to kind of point yourself. This is the first 3D game in the series to include a manual jump, which I thought was interesting and a little bit smart, but yeah, a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, in uh, in the game, the you get little camps of um, Bokoglins, Bokodlins, Bokodlins. What are they? Um, they're kind of like in um, they're similar creatures in Wind Waker. Like oh, they're nasty, aren't they? Lobkin, yeah. Yeah, fuck um, those guys. Sorry, yeah. I thought this was going to be a cute creature. Oh, it's not I'd a cute thing. In. No, he's they're an enemy, but essentially they use a little ha- ha- like a horn noise when they spot you to alert the camp that you're around. And this horn was just one that was randomly brought in by a developer. Uh, <laughs> and they just played it for the sound effect. And apparently they went so crazy on the sound effects for this game. E- there's even a sound effect for a bobkin picking its nose. Because oh they were just, God. like, throwing in sound effects left, right, centre. And I just like the idea of someone just bringing in a horn and being like, does this work? Um, I really like that. I just remember coming in the office one day and he just goes, like, toot, toot. And then it's just like, that's a cool noise. Let's include that. It's gonna and he's go so in. happy with his horn. He's so proud of himself. Yeah. He's just like, my horn is in <laughs> that game. And my favourite fact that I'm going to end on is that uh so in this game you collect korok seeds uh i think you know what koroks are they are yes make make things so they are koroks in the game uh and every so often you find them and they give you a korok seed for finding them it's like a little puzzle you do um the developers have essentially come out and said all korok seeds are poop uh, oh my god i love are, that they are not seeds they are giving you their poop and even to the point oh, where so you good. give one to a big one who you give your collection to. And if you get 100, he gives you a bigger poop uh, oh that's God. called his special present. And this was my favorite thing that I learned today. I was like, all Korok seeds are poop. And they even like properly confirmed it. It was like a theory. And then the guy that's was like, so no, funny. that's it. it. It's poop. I'm going to go buy a Switch right now. Yes. Just to collect poop. Yeah. This just sounds amazing. I want to trade poop <laughs> for any of the bigger poop. Thing I'm really do. weird. I've never gotten the bigger poop, but I'm now even more invested to do so. Does it look like poop or? Uh, it kind of. It's like a little seed droplet. Um, apparently the bigger one. I've seen a picture of when they give you like the bigger one, and that looks like poop because it's like two doubled up onto each other. You sound so excited. I'm just I'm. I can't. I can't <laughs> be bothered to talk to you right now. I've been waiting to go get more poop. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but no, that sounds interesting. <laughs> I'm glad that I now know that fact when I pick up this game. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to end on that fact. That's uh, Breath of the Wild. Go play it, everybody. The game where you just trade poop. Yeah. You get some good shit for poop. Well, good good one. <laughs> get some good shit for poop. Anyway, on that note, that was our top fives. <laughs> that was. That is the end of our list. Both our list. Collective list. Yes, a video game worlds. I hope that everybody learned something. I sure <laughs> did. I don't know whether it's a particularly useful thing to learn, but it was fun. No. Uh, I I found this one interesting. This was it was an interesting one to do. I don't think that many people think about when you play a game. I think I'm definitely guilty of this of how much world building 
mm. goes into making some of the games and how much depth people put into things like the history and yeah. how stuff and it is, it is incredible but the problem is I find that it was really hard to talk about it I find it really hard just to say other than I just thought it was really cool like I just <laughs> like the world you know like that's what I really struggle with because at the end of the day like that's the impression that they want to put on you which is people like the world and they think it's awesome but it's it's harder to to really you know be able to kind of articulate that um as seen with my number five where it's literally just I liked it there was gas stations I liked the food it was nice um but generally I think a good world is one that has a lot of history and also looks amazing and and everything like that so yeah it's a definite art to get someone to try and want to spend time in a fictional place exactly especially when it comes to traveling if you want to like physically travel somewhere on like a horse or you know a wagon you the fact that you'd rather do that than than cheat and basically fast travel somewhere is a very is a very good sign if they if they're able to do that then i think that's a really good a really good sign of a good world yeah definitely um do you have any honorable mentions i do uh which is fable and albion yes definitely great world it wasn't my top five but things got shuffled and it, it lost out mm-hmm. um mass effect the world of the milky way in that kind of universe yeah I, I adore borderlands obviously great world just didn't make the cut the world of shenmue is one i'd like to live in amazing yep it's essentially just I love... japan but i like it <laughs> yep effectively but still i find it very relaxing lots of um of those machines what are they called Oh, you mean like capsule machines? Capsule machines. Gashapon? Yep. Those are good. So, and my last <laughs> more one. Figures. <laughs> more figures. I love figures. My last one is GTA Five. That was going to be on my list. Mm. But it got replaced, I think, by uh, by Zelda. Yeah. So GTA Five, I thought, was a, was a great world. Very, you know, it's Rockstar. It's, their worlds are incredible. Yeah. Just because I just really enjoyed being in it. And it was just there was just a lot to it. So, yeah, that that's basically my mentions. Yeah, I thought of one while you were talking, actually, yeah. or two. Um, the Witcher, The Witcher Three world. Yeah, that's a very interesting place. Again, somewhere I liked just running around on my horse rather than fast traveling, although a bit massive. Um, and talking of Rockstar games, I quite liked the world in Bully. Did you ever play Bully? I played it yours once. I thought it was the weirdest game ever. It is. It's a very strange game, but it was a very fun game. Uh, you I play as it well. a school child in a school. Uh, I hope they do more. I don't know if they'd make a game about bullying now. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's a different time. <laughs> Showing my age. Um, yeah. Any more honorable mentions? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. Well, it's been swell. I like the pause there. Um, yeah, it's been good. It's been interesting learning about your favourite places that you would like to be. Yes. It's been a podcast. <laughs> that is the most descriptive uh, I think we've ever been. Um, yeah, so we're going to just wrap up this podcast before it starts descending into <laughs> the chaos that is apparently our intros and extras at the moment. Oh, the extros? yeah. This exits. Extros. I'm this is our life extras. Um, Welcome. I'm just going to cut Nikki off. She's going to take us down a hole. She's going to try and make us all into figurines and I'm not going to like it. It's because I've gotten to the bottom of my glass of wine and this is what happens. I just sit here in darkness. 
She gets rowdy. She does the recording in the darkness, she told me today. This was a new fact. <laughs> I, I like to record in the dark. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I just want to lose myself of being. Amazing. Kind of like in a sensory deprivation pod. Yeah, exactly. With wine it's got, instead of yeah, water. It's, yeah. That's that weird. amazing. I feel like people were just imagining me now just sat in darkness. But Yeah, I mean, that's what I do all the time, so... <laughs> like the goblin I am. Anyway, let's swiftly end this before I embarrass myself more. Okay. About my weirdness. If you would like to learn more about Nikki's adventures into the goblin world, you can follow her and her beautiful cosplay, of which I took some photos of uh, at MCM this weekend, just gone. Um, at what, Nikki? Elite Cat with two E's. That's it's on Instagram and on Twitter, I believe. Yes. And you can also message us at the podcast. We're on Twitter at Game Till Five. You can send us one there, or you can email us. Do the old old fashioned email because I like email and no one emails me uh, at Game Till Five at gmail dot com. And I think that's all the things that I have to try and remember. We are putting out right now that we eventually will do some streaming that we've been talking about for about oh God. four months. Six <laughs> we are months, literally we're useless. You and I already noticed that. <laughs> And if you have any ideas for top fives, or if you'd like to join us on a top five, I'm happy to have guests. I'm just going to put this in now. Um, yeah, you could join us and do some top fives. Just don't be too weird, because that's my job. Yeah, we don't want to put Nikki out of work. So yeah, thanks for everybody for listening to us ramble on, and uh, I'm going to end this podcast now, Nikki. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>